good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. It is good to be back, to be able to worship with you. After a weekend away at uh, in uh, northern Pennsylvania, we were up near Lake Erie last weekend to a youth retreat. There was the Pleasant View congregation there. Uh, many of you all, well, I don't know if many, some of you may remember Larry Miller from Sarasota, Florida. Anybody remember Larry? <laughs> a few. Uh, congregation has changed. His brother Nathan Miller is a bishop up there at uh, Pleasant View. We met some of their young people at Bible school. Um, Brett and Amber Wangard, they were uh, students at Bible school. Some of you all know them as well. Anyway, it was an enjoyable weekend. And we spent this, uh, this last weekend at a place that I know that all of you all would love to see. This was called the Sibley Castle. The Sibley Castle, Joseph Sibley built it back in the early 1900s. It was his personal residence that he built. And I tried to find out how many square feet this building was, but it was huge. He was a wealthy oil man. He was a Christian. And he hired 70 Italian stonemasons to come in and build this building. The uh, laborers that helped on that building, um, they said that there were approximately 200 any given day there helping build this building. And I'm guessing this mansion, castle, would have probably been 20 or 30,000 square feet. But again, I, I couldn't find any numbers on that. The stone was sandstone that was quarried off the side of the ridge right behind the castle. And they, they built ramps from the ridge down to the castle, down to the, yes, they call it, he called it the castle, the castle. And then they slid these stones down and put them in place. And there were two towers on each side. Of course, they couldn't slide the stones onto the towers, and so they had to, I don't know how they got those stones up there. But it took a lot of work. And they completed this building in nine months. And it was all hand labor and horse-drawn equipment. And, and I don't know what all they used. This building has three wings, two towers, and it overlooks the Allegheny River. And it was a work of architecture. Wow. I saw that building and we walked through that building and walked, climbed up into the tower and looked down across the mountains and into past the river and it was just like, this is just kind of unbelievable. 
And yet this man had a vision. And he put that vision into shoe leather and had something done about it. He was a, he was a wealthy oil man and was able to finance this building. And I've been reading again, like I told you all in the book of Revelation, about a mansion that is built for us. And we look at this, or I looked at this stone building there and the architecture and the decorations and all of this stuff that goes, the intricate things that go in that. And I was like, that's really, really interesting. That's really neat. That's pretty cool. But we have something far, far greater to look forward to than a mansion built of stone and wood. And we look forward to things every day. And I remember when we were out west a number of years ago, we went camping in the desert. I think it was uh, Texas. And we got up early in the morning and we went a long ways to, to, to an outlook so that we could see that sunrise. The beautiful sunrise come up over the desert. It took effort to do that. We look forward to seeing friends or loved ones because we know that that fellowship that has not been there for a while can be reunited. Sometimes we look forward to the day when we may not have to work so hard. We look forward to fellowship with other people. I was looking forward to meeting the people in Pennsylvania, and of course, that's my nature, and yet my wife, she's a little reserved with that. And one of the men that worked there at this uh, at this property, he was up there walking around in the garden, and we were up looking at the little chapel up on top of the hill. And I said, honey, let's, let's go talk to him. And she was like, here we go again. But we went over and chatted with this young man and he had a lot of history and knowledge of that property that was passed down to him. And then he shared it with us. And we learned some things. We look forward to things that we recognize with limited knowledge. And so what are you looking forward to today, this week? in the coming years. Some of us have some goals. Some of us have some aspirations. Some of us have some things that we would like to see happen. Prayers answered. Maybe healing done. Maybe someone coming to know Christ. What are you looking forward to and what are you praying about? We often talk about looking forward to the bliss of heaven the experience of being with the Lord forevermore. But oftentimes we think of the benefits of heaven, but sometimes the work of getting there, we fall short. At least I do. And I know that it's not by works, and yet it takes work to maintain our Christian life, to be faithful. And so what are we actually living for today? And what are we looking forward to tomorrow or even the next moment that comes our way? 
Friends, we have a place prepared for us that is beyond comprehension. And Jesus said in John 14, and these are familiar verses that are often read at a funeral. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And as I thought about this weekend and this great Sibley Castle, and I thought about the mansion that God has prepared for us, and that Jesus told us about, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether you go, and the way you know, and we know the way. It is taught through God, through His Word. We know the way, and that's Jesus Christ. And He said in that very same passage, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by Me. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to get a glimpse, a small glimpse. Revelation chapter 21. We read in Revelation about this new dwelling place. What it will look like. And it far exceeds any stone mansion or castle in northern Pennsylvania. And yet, we know God has prepared it. And we know He has provided a way. And yet, are we working towards that in living in obedience to God and His Word? In Revelation 21, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. This word new in this verse, verse 1, means something fresh. Napala likes to grow flowers. And Renee sometimes likes to go out and pick those flowers. And when they are fresh, they are beautiful. And you put them in a vase with water, and they stay fresh and pretty for but a short time. And then they fade and wilt, and soon pass away. But this word new here means something fresh, something new. Verse 2 says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared. And I want to look at that word right there, prepared. Because that is what we are doing today, every day. It says, came down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. As we look back in those verses that I read in John 14, He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And this word adorned means everything needs to be in proper order. God is preparing. That bride, the church, each one of us are preparing today being in proper order for that day when we will be united with Christ the groom. Verse 3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We see around us today, and have been for many, many years, many alarming things. We see an increase in fear. We see people suffering, not only with physical ailments, but spiritual, emotional suffering. People suffering because of persecution. We see people around us that are bound or burdened with sin. And we see people that are close to us, that we love, turn away from God. They're turning away from God that showed His love so much for us that He gave His only begotten Son and who is now preparing a place where there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain or death, only a continual fellowship and rest. And so are you looking forward to that day? And if I were to ask you today, how many of you are ready just to pass on from this life? I would imagine that many of you all would say, spiritually, you are ready. But physically, are you ready to go? Are you ready just you know, I'm checking out. I'm done with this earth. I would dare say that many of us would say, no, I want to live yet a little longer. I want to see something down the road. Uh, there's something that I'm looking forward to. I'm thinking of Alan and Faye and that little grandchild that was born. I can imagine the anticipation of that precious gift. Verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new, I make all things fresh. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And folks, we understand that this is not rocket science. It's not some complicated computer code. It says, Behold, I make all things new. A new heaven, a new earth, a new body. All things new, all things fresh. And God said that these words are faithful and true. And how much clearer can it be to each one of us? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. God said, I make all things new. How much clearer can it be? And yet we look at today. We look at tomorrow. We look at the things that are coming up that we want to enjoy here in this body, on this earth. And it's so, it surely pales in comparison. And yet I walk those same moccasins. And verse 6 says, And he said unto me, It is done. 
I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. This word overcometh means to subdue, to conquer, to overcome, to prevail, to get the victory. And folks, we fight that battle day by day in this body of flesh, in the thing, the temptations that come our way. We fight this battle. Excuse me. And yet God can give us the victory. And we can be overcomers that shall inherit all things. And it says, I will be his God and he shall be my son. But then in verse 8, it says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The New King James says it like this, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The Bible says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We in this body, we struggle with some of these things. And yet God is calling us out. We look around us and we see the decline of society around us. And yet society has its influence. But it says very clearly, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now you may think, well, I'm not in that category. And that's good. But Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, weary labor and heavy laden. And it is only through Jesus Christ and being born again. It is not of works, but it is by grace that we are saved. And so, even if we are not cowardly, maybe we are in that unbelieving camp. Maybe we're not murderers or immoral or idolaters or a sorcerer. But what about the unbeliever? Verse 9 says, And there came unto me seven angels which had the seven vials of the seven last plagues and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The glory of the Lord gives light not only to illuminate this new Jerusalem, but we see in God's Word 
that it is a light, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It helps us to see our way through this life into eternity. It gives us illumination into His Word. Verse 12, And had a great wall, and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. This great high wall to me signifies protection and safety. And are you safe within those protecting walls of Jesus Christ and what is to come? These twelve tribes signify the called and chosen of God. Are you one of the called and chosen that has given your heart to the Lord? Verse 13 says, On the east three gates, and on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And to me, this shares to me that it is available to all men from all over the world, north, south, east, and west. It is available to all men. In 1 Timothy it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. We have an opportunity. And so what are we looking forward to? Verse 14 says, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And I believe that these twelve foundations and the twelve apostles are the foundations of the church based on the new covenant in Christ. Those that are called forth to carry the message of the gospel of the new covenant. And that's you and I. Not only the apostles, but the disciples that have been made. Verse 15, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are all equal. Now, do y'all know how long a furlong is? Anyone? Anyone know how long a furlong is? It's about 220 feet from what I looked up. So if you do a little bit of multiplication, 220 feet times 12,000 furlongs is 2,640,000 feet. And if you divide that by the feet in a mile, you have 500 miles. 500 this way, 500 this way, and 500 that way. Adam Clark, I was reading a little bit in his commentary, said the quad quadrangular form imitates perfection and stability. The square figure was a figure of perfection among the Greeks. And this was written in Greek. 
and the square or cubical man was with them a man of unsullied integrity and perfect in all things. And so what does this city that lieth four square mean? It means something that is stable, unshakable, unsullied, perfect in all things. And he measured the wall thereof, verse 17, and hundred and forty and four cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. 144 cubits times 18 inches is 2,592 inches. That's 216 feet thick. When we pour a concrete wall, we pour a 10-inch wall, and we think, that thing is sturdy. But multiply that times 200 and some. And you have a wall that is impenetrable, unshakable, standing there as safety. And that is prepared for you and I as God's children. And something that is built that is impenetrable, unshakable, is also something of beauty. And we saw some beauty up in Pennsylvania with that building and with the landscape that we looked out upon. But it says here in verse 18, And the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Now I don't know if you've ever seen pure gold, but I remember many, many years ago when I went into Germany, we went into the to one of the castles in Germany. And that one room had gold-plated, I don't know what all. It was unbelievable. And I don't know the value of some of those gold-plated pillars or carvings or whatever it was, but it was a phenomenal amount of money. And we look on that and think, that is amazing. And yet we have something prepared for us that far exceeds anything gold. And it says the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And I read in our science book a number of years ago that um, the visors on astronaut suits, their visor has infused gold. And if you look, try to look through that gold to see their face, you can't see their face inside, and yet they can see out. And this gold gives a type of reflection to, re to reflect and to keep the astronauts safe from the extra infrared light that is in space. Verse 19. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald. And I don't know what you think about when you think about precious stones. But God's word says that we 
as his children are precious in his sight. And I think that these precious stones, and again, this is just my thoughts, interpretations, I think that these precious stones are each one of us implanted on that foundation of Jesus Christ, garnished with all manner of precious stones. And I don't know what it all means. One day, it will be revealed to us. But this word garnished means to put in proper order, to decorate, to adorn, to trim. Verse 20. The fifth, Sardonyx. The sixth, Sardis. The seventh, Chrysolite. The eighth, Beryl. The ninth, Topaz. The tenth, a Chrysopras. I'm not sure how to say that. The eleventh, Jacinth. The twelfth, Amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as if as it were transparent glass. And I saw the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. In Corinthians, it says, For God, who commandeth the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That light that we have exposed to us through being born again is the same light that is going to illuminate heaven. 1 John says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Has the light of God illumined your heart and soul? the same light that will illuminate heaven. No need of the sun or the moon. Verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. The kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. The gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. What are you looking forward to? Today, tomorrow, We look forward to some small things here in this physical body. And yet we must be alert and looking forward to our heavenly home that God has prepared, that Jesus is building for us. And so my encouragement is to live lives of obedience in preparation for that great day when Jesus will come and make all things new for His glory. Lord bless you.